I have a better day when I play music that I like when I start my day. I'm not sure that's something that would work for everyone, but it does for me. It has to be music I like. The effect doesn't work when a radio programmer is picking it. But while compiling and writing this week's edition, I actually thought of a song per team for the analysis that, to me, best reflected how they need to be in what is now the stretch drive to the playoffs. Now, of course, due to copyright costs, I can't put these songs in the background for you. It also would require some next-level editing if I could afford to. But if you have a couple of devices that allow you to listen to the pod on one while playing the recommended song quietly in the background on the other before, or during or after the team segments. I think it might add to the analysis. might not, or you can just find a track after listening to the podcast, or you don't have to at all. But that was the idea, and that's why I've included the theme songs for each team this week. It might be a thing going forward. It might not. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week, Discover Central and a Touch of True North Edition. It's a look at the three teams that stayed in the Central Division of the eight that will make up the Central Division in 2021-22 and the lone Canadian team, Winnipeg, that is playing up north. I'm your host, Tim Bigelow. This podcast was recorded Friday, April 23rd in two parts. The Touch of True North segment, put last, was recorded and edited first Friday, while the Discover Central was recorded and edited after Friday night's Nashville versus Chicago game to include it in this week's pod. As only Winnipeg and Dallas play Saturday, I just felt this was the way to maximize how the schedule worked out this week best as we head into the stretch run to the NHL playoffs. To say, if I still can't get it posted Saturday due to editing delays, mostly because of how many games there are, well, it's a pair of games, not every team playing in the pod that will be outdated by the time it is. The Discover Central focuses on Chicago, Dallas, and Nashville with the original three Central Division teams we follow. Just a reminder, the Discover Central is not the namesake this program will properly and accurately be named for beginning next year. Winnipeg playing in the North is tagged onto this edition to make it a four-team Central Division split because covering this condensed season is a jam-packed, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants experience to cover. Basically, I split the eight teams that will make up the Central Division in 2021-22 evenly into four teams over two podcasts showing at least that I am able to do basic math in the process. With the interdivisional play, Chicago, Dallas, and Nashville play Tampa Bay, Carolina, Florida, Columbus, and Detroit, so they are often in the game summaries. We need to acknowledge where the teams we cover are competitively with those teams. Our focus teams, we continue going for fourth. As for Winnipeg, they play the other six Canadian teams. If you live in Canada, you probably have watched just the North Division or too much of it. If you don't, you probably haven't watched any of it at all. For the Discover Central, three usually Eastern Conference teams have been putting on a clinic point-wise as Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida have held the top three spots in perpetuity for this entire season. The updated look at the three-team lock atop the Discover Central at the conclusion of Friday night's games, Carolina's first by point percentage, 728 point percentage, 67 points, 46 games played, three points up on second place Tampa Bay, 681 point percentage, 64 points, 46 
77 games played. And third place, Florida, with a 677 point percentage, 55 points, 48 games played, who are two points behind Carolina, but have played more games, one on Tampa Bay, two on Carolina. For weeks, I've said the incentive for finishing first is to not have to play either team that is vying currently for it, but instead the team that nabs the fourth and final playoff spot instead. All three of the teams that we're talking about, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida, want to avoid the two versus three first round playoff matchup in the Discover Central, and only one team is going to. Our three focus teams are playing for that fourth final playoff spot. This week's order is being done by how the teams did this past week. Nashville with seven games left, Dallas with 10, and Chicago with eight games. We look at what I think is the magic number, 62 points, that will snag that fourth and final playoff spot with. Any of the team's path to getting to that point mark isn't exactly easy with each of the team's remaining schedule that we're going to look at fully. Playoff-bound Winnipeg lost both its games, and we look at them and the North Division to close out this edition. Not because they had the worst week of the teams, no, simply because we always tag them after the three teams that stayed for this season in the Discover Central. We talk about how Winnipeg's last 10 games in previous years led to different playoff results as they close this one. We start with Dallas this week. They improved upon their 2-0-2 week last week to go 3-0-1 this week. With Nashville and Chicago playing three games and Nashville not having as good of a week, Dallas closed the points gap on fourth with three games still in hand. Here's the Dallas expanded Discover Central division standing look. Dallas a 543 point percentage fifth since the last podcast 3-1-0. Overall 19-15-12. 46 games played, 50 points, 133 goals for, 120 goals against, a plus 13 goal differential. Dallas's week started winning the second of two at home versus Columbus. Let's look at the game summary. Saturday, April 17th, a 5-1 win versus Columbus. 104 into the first. Dallas's Alex Cogliano's slot shot is stopped by Columbus goalie Jonas Corpusello. 445 in Dallas goalie Jake Oninger stops a Columbus two-on-one keep shorthanded. 535 Dallas's Rhett Gardner is stopped on a breakaway. 606 Columbus goal on a clean zone entry pass from the sidewall that is put on the tape for a tap-in in the paint. With three Dallas defenders unable to prevent the D-man pinch. 12.35 Dallas gold Jamie Benn on Columbus goalie Jonas Corpusello. A flip from center ice causes a big rebound and Ben bats in the bouncing puck short side. One all after one. 10-10 into the second Dallas two-on-one rush becomes a three-on-two as Dennis Garyanov wires a one-timer Dallas goal short side from the circle on a given goal with Ben. Three minutes, four seconds later, Dallas's Jason Robertson passes to Joe Pavelski in the high slot. Pavelski spins and fires a backhand goal glove side. 20 seconds later, Dallas goal. John Klingberg as his centering pass on a three-on-one is put into the net off a Columbus defenseman's back check stick and through the five hole. That ends Columbus goalie Corpusello's night. 3.20 left Dallas goal by S.L. Lindell off the cycle. He puts a high slot wrister glove side past Columbus goalie Elvis Merz-Lincolns. Dallas, four-goal second period for a 5-1 lead through two. 2.21 into the scoreless third, Dallas's Pavelski's rebound short side is stopped. 
623 in Dallas goalie Ottinger stops Columbus slot chance after a Dallas defensive zone turnover. 753 left Dallas's Jamie Oleksiak is stopped in closest. Dallas doesn't add to the 5-1 final. 32-22 shots for Dallas. Dallas 0 for 3, Columbus 0 for 1 on the power play. Dallas goalie Ottinger one goal against 22 saves in the win. Dallas game perspective, after an evenly played first with the teams tied, Dallas in the back half of the second took control on the strength of four even strength goals and never looked back, chasing Columbus goalie Corpusello with three goals in three minutes, 24 seconds, and getting another on Columbus goalie Merzlikens under three minutes after he came in relief. They also kept the pressure on in the scoreless third, outshooting Columbus 13-7 and outchancing them. Dallas wins the two versus Detroit at home and fall in the first of two in Detroit. Let's look at the game summaries for all three. Monday, April 19th, a 3-2 shootout win versus Detroit. 12.50 left in the first. Dallas's Rope Hints can't convert a wraparound on Detroit goalie Thomas Grice. 4.10 left after Detroit take a delay of game penalty for puck over glass. Dallas gets a power play goal to open scoring. From the circle, Hints go short side top shelf with lots of time to take the shot. 1-0 Dallas after one. 7.45 into the second. Detroit goal on a three-on-two that Dallas goalie Anton Hudobin makes the initial save on, but the big rebound is backhanded in. 11.06 in off the cycle. Dallas goal. Jason Robertson tucks in a forehand rebound far side around Detroit goalie Grice off of the shot by Hints from the circle. Detroit goal on a net front deflection off a skate of a Dallas player on a point shot that beats Dallas goalie Hudobin 5-hole with 3.05 left to have the teams tied at 2 through 2. 109 into the third, Detroit goal is called off as a Detroit player goes into the crease causing incidental goalie interference, no goal no penalty. The third would remain scoreless. Game needs extra time. 50 seconds into overtime. Detroit two-on-one. Dallas goalie Hudobin makes a glove save and Dallas get a two-on-one the other way. One ten left. Dallas's Essel and Dell backhander on a breakaway doesn't go. On to the skills competition for the really important points in the standings. Detroit's first shooter, Dylan Larkin, and Dallas's first shooter, Robertson, score. Dallas's fifth shooter wins it. Dennis Guriana. 36-22 shots Dallas. Dallas 1 for 2. Detroit 0 for 1 on the power play. Dallas goalie Hudobin. 2 goals against 20 saves in the shootout win. Tuesday, April 20th, a 5-2 win versus Detroit. 255 into the first off the rush. A bouncing puck gets passed from Andre Sekera to Jamie Benn to finally Tanner Carroll. He lifts it to open the scoring for Dallas. 507 off the rush. The puck gets down low to Jason Dickinson, who puts it net front where Jason Robertson goes glove roof on a one timer from the slot past Detroit goalie Jonathan Bernier. 656 in Dallas. Defensive zone turnover. Detroit rings the crossbar off Dallas goalie Jake Oninger from the circle. 14-17. Dallas's Dickinson retrieves a dump in and puts it net front off the side of the net to Robertson in the slot who makes a one-touch pass to Joe Pavelski for a net side tap in goal. Detroit's Valerie Nemesnikov after a late hit and Dallas's Sammy Vatnin wrestle and get two each for roughing with 2.24 left. 3-0 Dallas after one. 254 into the second, Dallas's Alex Cogliano, after getting a stretch pass, outweights Detroit goalie Bernier going through the crease area, but he puts it off the post. 336 in Dallas, goal off the rush as Jamie Oleksiak's backhand pass to the center slot goes five hole 
ending Bernier's night. 4.51 in, Detroit goal on a Dallas turnover at the Detroit blue line creates a two-on-one and shot against the grain that beats Dallas goalie Oninger Roof. 8.18 left, Dallas goalie Oninger stops a slot backhand Detroit chance. Dallas's Essa Lindell and Detroit's Dylan Larkin get five for fighting at the period's buzzer. 4-1 Dallas through two. 222 into the third. Dallas's Pavelski on the power play forces Detroit goalie Grice to make a stop. 347 left. Detroit goal six on five on a high circle wrister put five hole. 53 seconds left. Dallas's Blake Como adds an empty net goal for the Dallas 5-2 win. 26-24 shots. Detroit, both teams over two on the power play. Dallas goalie Oninger, two goals against 24 saves in the win. Thursday, April 22nd, a 7-3 loss at Detroit. 22 seconds into the first, Dallas's Dennis Garionis, one-timer from the circle, forces Detroit goalie Thomas Grice to make a pad save on. 7-20 in, Dallas rope hints on a breakaway, can't put it five-hole. 9-50 Detroit goal as a Dallas defensive zone blue line turnover creates a two-on-two short side top shelf marker to open scoring on Dallas goalie Anton Udobin. 6.25 left, a Detroit shot from the circle. The puck goes off the far side crossbar and post and out. 6.07 left, Detroit partial breakaway five-hole save by Dallas goalie Hudobin. 4.25 left, Detroit goal, point shot, high tip goes short side through net front traffic. 2.30 left, Dallas's Haskin encircles with the puck around back of the net to the slot, but he can't stuff it short side. 11 seconds left, Detroit goal, a point shot goes off of Dallas Goy Hudobin, and he loses the puck that has fallen behind him in the paint where Detroit tucking in for a short side into an open cage. 3 nothing Detroit after one. Dallas Goy Hudobin's night ends as well after the first. Three goals against six saves. Dallas goalie Jake Ottinger starts the second. 207 into the second. Dallas power play goal. Radic Faxa scores from the slot short side shelf on an against the grain behind the net pass from Tanner Carroll. 650 Detroit goal. A point shot high deflection off of a Detroit faceoff win following a Dallas icing call. As a Dallas power play expires on a roughing penalty to Detroit's Valerie Nemesnikov, drawn by Dallas's Jason Dickinson. Dallas get a goal off the cycle. Power play Pavelski from the slot puts it short side. Cookie jar shelf for the even strength tally. 3.54 left. Detroit are stopped trying to go short side on the power play. 15 seconds left. Dallas goalie Oninger makes a save on a Detroit slot blast. 4-2 Detroit through 2. 10.09 into the third. Detroit's Jacob Verana steals a puck at the Detroit defensive zone blue line to go on a breakaway. And from the hash marks, nets his hat trick goal far side roof. 7.01 left. Dallas's Pavelski can't shovel in Klinberg's point blast on a power play. 6.31 left. Dallas power play goal. Gurianov walks into a, a puck loose in the slot and his high slot howitzer goes far side top corner. 4.31 left. Dallas's Jason Robertson tries to come out from behind the net and jam it in short side and can't. 4.12 left. Detroit goal on a point shot that's big rebound is put away short side posting in Verana's fourth of the game off a Dallas defensive zone turnover 113 left Detroit score an empty net goal from their defensive zone on a shot that if the cardboard intermission car cutout was in the net Sam Gagne would have won a car 
it's not, but Detroit does win 7-3. Dallas double Detroit in shots, 46-23. to Dallas 2-4. for four. Detroit over 1 on the power play. Dallas goalie Ottinger, 3 goals against 10 saves, takes the loss as his first goal against is Detroit's fourth and the game-winning goal. Dallas game perspectives. In the two home wins, Dallas played with the lead in the shootout win. Dallas outshot Detroit, but required extra time to win and picked up the elusive shootout point. That was nice to see from a Dallas perspective. The regulation 5-2 win was a quick start with three first period goals that allowed Dallas to play the last 40 minutes comfortably to win. The road loss to Detroit was the opposite as it was Detroit who after one was up three and Dallas never recovered five on five Detroit buried their opportunities while Dallas scored two of its three goals on the power play and the even strength goal was just after a Dallas power play expired it was a missed opportunity especially in the first period where Dallas had some high danger scoring chances but couldn't cash any in to close the three nothing gap Detroit finished the first period with that Dallas couldn't ever come back from Dallas's overall analysis, background song recommendation, every day is exactly the same by Nine Inch Nails. Dallas had the best overall week of our three focused Central Division teams for the second straight week. They continued to close the gap between the points they are behind with the games in hand on Nashville. Nashville with a four-point lead, Dallas with three games in hand. If not for Nashville's Friday night win over Chicago, Dallas briefly held the point percentage lead, and that would have had them fourth even after losing to Detroit on Thursday. Dallas will start to play their last 10 games while Nashville has just seven left, including playing each other an important one more time. A regulation win by either next Saturday when they play could be instrumental to the cause for either team. The games before and after do count as well, and Dallas plays Detroit one more time and then face a tougher schedule, arguably, to who they are trying to catch with more games in hand in the same number of actual days. So as tough as the most recent loss in Detroit is, its memory of it needs to be shorter. If I were to hazard a guess, Dallas needs to play a game over 500 and they get in. That includes winning against Nashville, but even spots a loser point for the Preds in the calculated expected wins to close this season out. A 5 Five and O mark to me or better gets Dallas 10 points and if that includes picking up two points on Nashville they should be able to get in they will want to do better however with three against Tampa Bay two versus Carolina and a game against Florida every point counts because somewhere in those six games they have to to me find a pair of wins They've got the two at Carolina at home, and they've been better at home. And at worst, I think they can find a way to split with Carolina. I also think they are at least due to get one of three of the games left versus Tampa Bay, who has played really well against them this year. And Florida, to me, is a potentially winnable game that Dallas could also lose. It really is a toss-up. If they were to go 2-4, and four, just under 500, how do they get over 500? It's winning the one in Detroit, getting two points in Nashville, and winning the last two games against, I believe, 
when the games are being played. A just eliminated Chicago team in the last two games for Dallas to close out the season. That would be 6-4-0 with 12 points. To me, Nashville realistically finishes with 61 points. So for Dallas, six regulation wins is the 12 points to put Dallas at 62 points and snag that fourth and final playoff spot. That's not asking Dallas to overachieve. It's possible they can do better than that, albeit they play most of these games on the road, and they may have to do better than that 6-4 and four mark. It also means keeping Nashville to a minimum loser point in the team's head-to-head final matchup, and Dallas picking up the two points in that game. I think Dallas can do that in Dallas's last 10 they have gone 6-2-2 two and two over the last stretch, which was important based on who they were playing again. Doing that again would be 14 points and certainly get them in. And, of course, that's where the background song recommendation came in. The defined playing Dallas Stars hockey is a routine, and Dallas practically is going through a routine where down this stretch, every day is exactly the same. And it should be as to how they play to their identity. And the reason I was thinking of a Nine Inch Nails track was because I needed something industrial, workmanlike. I needed a track that felt dirty to represent Dallas playing tough, winning the battles in the dirty areas of the rink, and doing it as if every game, regardless of what jerseys are being worn on the other side, Dallas is playing exactly the same. If Dallas does this, I think they're going to snag that fourth Central Division playoff spot. Dallas are the only one of the three teams vying for that playoff spot with a positive goal differential, a plus 13 in that race for fourth. Still, and both the goals allowed and power play are top 10 metrics in the NHL. Let's expand on those Dallas team metrics. Dallas improved two rank spots to 15th after consecutive week increases with a 2.85 goal scored per game. The power play stays rank 6 at 24.6%. Dallas also stayed 5th in goals allowed at 2.48 per game. The penalty kill moved up two rank spots to a tie for 17th at a 79.4% kill rate. Dallas's useless factoid. You can definitely make an argument Dallas was goalied by Detroit Thomas Grice in their 7-3 loss. Dallas had a 2-1 shot on goal advantage, and it wasn't propped up, nor did it not include some high-danger scoring chances. Dallas could have easily been up by two goals by the 10-minute mark of the first period. The 46-23 Dallas shot advantage in the loss meant Dallas had a plus 23 shot advantage in that game. In Dallas's three wins this week, they combined to have a plus 22 shot advantage in those games. If you can find a reliable source for a goalie's goal scored above average, I'm pretty sure Detroit's Thomas Grice would have been off the charts even in giving up three goals against versus Dallas in that Detroit 7-3 win. Thumbs up, Joe Pavelski. We may have to retire our power play Joe Pavelski moniker, although Pavelski remains tied for the league lead with 11 power play markers with New York Rangers Chris Dreiger in power play goals heading into Saturday's games. Pavelski still picked up his team-leading 20th goal, in the loss to Detroit and had three 
even strength goals in the four games, plus a helper in the four games we covered this week. Even better, five goals in his last six games. So I'm willing to trade power play Pavelski for playoff payoff Pavelski and a Dallas playoff appearance. Thumbs down, a team award. The late first period Detroit goal in the 7-3 loss with 11 seconds left is a killer. It's picked only for the symbolic bad timing of it. There were too many defensive zone turnovers, but that point shot shouldn't get in, nor losing the net front battle when Dobie lost sight of the puck. It's partially on him, but it's on the whole team. It was the goal that Dallas couldn't seem to get back and get points in the game. And right now that is so important for this Dallas team. In additional news, all-star forward Tyler Sagan is on the road trip with the team. He has not participated. It was reported Friday in any team battle drills, and that would be the last step to him returning to the lineup. It is expected potentially to be possibly against Carolina or Tampa Bay of the games we cover in next week's podcast at the earliest. Forward Yol Kiviranta lower body remains on IR. Defenseman Sammy Vatnin upper body is listed as day-to-day. Vatnin has played five games, including the four in this week's edition, since being picked up off of waivers from New Jersey. Up next, four games Saturday at Detroit, Monday, Tuesday versus Carolina, Thursday at Tampa Bay. The away record for Dallas, 7-9-4. and four. The home record, 12-6-8. and eight. Yes, I haven't talked overly about the mark difference in the home and away Dallas record. Eight of the last 10 Dallas games are on the road. They still need to go better than 500. That starts with the upcoming four. That does include the last two games Dallas plays at home. I think Dallas can go 3-1-0 here. They can't afford to go worse than 2-2-0 either here, especially with those two home games in this upcoming week. Still, it's not going to be easy for Dallas to do this. We move to look at the fourth spot, Discover Central Placeholder, Nashville. Here's the expanded standing look at Nashville for this week, who went 2-1-1. One, and one. That was almost best-case scenario for their playoff hopes. Nashville, 551 point percentage, fourth since the last podcast, 2-1-1. One, and one. Overall, 26-21-2. 49 games played, 54 points, 133 goals for, 138 goals against, a minus-5 goal differential. Nashville starts Saturday dropping the second game in Carolina in the team's two-game set. Here's the game summary. Saturday, April 17th, a 3-1 loss at Carolina. 35 seconds into the first, Carolina drives the net, forcing Nashville goalie UC Saros to make a save. 2.30 in Nashville's Eric Hollis stopped short side on a two-on-one by Carolina goalie Alex Nedeljkovic. 5.19 in, start of a flurry of Carolina shots stopped by Nashville goalie Saros. 6.28 in Nashville's Eric Gobranson wears it from just inside the offensive zone blue line. 10 minutes in, 11-3, Carolina shot advantage. 9.17 left, Nashville's Luke Cunning is stopped from the slot. 8.41 left, Nashville goalie Saros forced to make three big saves. 1.42 left, Carolina goal on a three-on-two wrister slot shot goes blocker side top shelf. one nothing Carolina after one. Carolina holds a 24-7 shot advantage in the frame. 2.48 into the second, point shot and rebound save by Nashville goalie Saros. 3.03 in, Nashville's Hulla 
redirect and the paint is stopped. 434 in, Nashville's Cunnins backhander stopped by a blocker save. 1136 in, Nashville goal, offensive zone pressure after a penalty kill. Roman Yossi in the high slot spins and fires and puts it lifted glove side corner. 806 left, Nashville's Nick Cousins stopped on a two-on-one keep. 346 left, Nashville's Ryan Johansson kicks the puck into Carolina's net with a skate. It's immediately called off as no goal, 1-1 through 2. 8.55 into the third off an offensive zone faceoff win Carolina goal. Point shot Rister goes in over Nashville goalie. Saros' shoulder through traffic. 6.35 left, Nashville goalie Saros makes key saves. 1.51 left, Carolina add an empty net goal to win 3-1. Shots 48-28, Carolina. Both teams 0 for 2 on the power play. Nashville goalie Saros, two goals against 45 saves in the loss. Nashville game perspective, Nashville badly outshot and outplayed by Carolina. And yet, because of above average goaltending by UC Saros, Nashville entered the third period tied with a chance to pick up points. Saros continued to play great, allowing only one more goal against and two for the entire game. But Nashville still can't generate more than Yossi's one goal in the loss. Next up, the big three games. One at home to Chicago, then two in Chicago. Nashville goes 2-0-1 over the three, continuing the season series dominance over Chicago. Here's the game summaries. Monday, April 19th, 5-2 win versus Chicago. 3-31 into the first. Nashville's Yakov Trenin tries a one-handed backhand driving to the net. It stopped. 6-22 in. Nashville opens the scoring. Matt Benning's point shot has an Eric Hulla tip. Then a Matt Deshane for the double tip and in far side on Chicago goalie Kevin Lankinen. 10-36 left. Nashville's Ryan Johansson falling. Can't lift a backhand up net side. 4-46 left. Chicago power play goal evens the score. Alex Debrinkit puts in a rebound short side, lifted past Nashville goalie UC Saros on a backhand pass to the low circle by P.U. Suter. One all after one. 104 into the second, Chicago goalie Lankinen stretches for a pad stop on Nashville's Mikhail Granlin on a breakaway. 448 in Nashville goal off the cycle on a pass behind the net. From the slot, Kelly Yarncroke puts it far side and in. 51 seconds after, Nashville goal Matthias Ekholm gets a breakaway up the wing and goes far side lifted. 944 Four in, Chicago's Patrick Kane shot is stopped on a power play after a Nashville power play ended on a too-many-men penalty and the teams played 4-on-4. Four 11-52 four. in, Chicago goal, a bouncing puck. High slot wrister by David Camp beats Saros glove side for his first goal of the year. 3-2 Nashville through two. 23 seconds into the third, Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy loses his lid and so he has to go to the Chicago bench. Nashville takes advantage of the offensive player advantage. Ryan Allen from the sidewall puts it to the slot with two Nashville players all alone and Tanner Janot deflects in a Nashville goal. 18 seconds later, Nashville's Luke Cunning parked alone in the slot awaiting a pass. All alone lifts in a Nashville goal ending Chicago goalie Lankinen's night. 3.46 in Chicago's Murphy puts a point shot off traffic off the post. 6.14 in Chicago Suter takes a four-minute high-stick penalty on Nashville's Penning. 6.53 in Short-handed Chicago's to bring it. Breakaway is stopped by Nashville. Goalie Saros blocker side. Chicago does kill off the penalty. 4.13 left. Chicago's Brett Connolly stopped by Nashville. Goalie Saros' goal stick. 2.54 left. Nashville's Nick 
Cousins shot on goal, gets a piece of Chicago goalie Malcolm Subin, and then rings off the far side post. 240 left. Nashville's Cousins comes in as Chicago's Keith is battling Matt Deshane. Chicago's Debrinket comes in after Cousins and ends up with the only penalty in the altercation because, well, it doesn't make sense, so no point to pretend it does. 10.5 seconds left. Nashville's Cousins cross-checks Chicago's Riley Stillman and takes a penalty. Can't see how bad it was as they never showed a decent replay conveniently, but the play caused some commotion behind the actual play by the player benches in the 5-2 Nashville win. 32-30 shot Chicago. Nashville for 5. Chicago won for 5 with the power play. Nashville goalie Saros 2 goals against 30 saves in the win. Chicago goalie Lankin in 5 goals against 17 saves in the loss. Chicago goalie Subin no goals against 8 saves in relief. Wednesday, April 21st, 5-4 overtime loss at Chicago. 4-14 in Nashville's Roman Yossi makes a defensive zone turnover. Chicago's Brandon Hagel gets it to P.U. Suter on a 2-on-1, putting it 5-hole on Nashville goalie UC Saros to open the scoring. 10-56 in Nashville's Matthias Ekholm's blast is stopped by Chicago goalie Malcolm Subin. 14-16 in Nashville goal ties the game. Victor Arvidsson wins the puck battle down low to go behind the net and makes a tuck pass on the tape of Ellie Tovalin, who goes 5-hole. Chicago goalie Subin stuffs Nashville's Yakov Trenin driving the net with the puck one all after one 10 43 left in the second chicago's kirby doc can't put away a backhander on a breakaway past nashville goalie saros 853 left from the circle on nashville's arvidson's breakaway chicago goalie subin makes a glove save 736 left nashville's next cousins denied short side by chicago goalie subin 621 left nashville's colton sisson is able to cut through the defense after playing the puck in the neutral zone with a high stick but it's played by Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy to keep the play alive. Sissons goes, forehand lifted, gloving alone for the Nashville goal. Two seconds left in the first, the nicest goal this season by Nashville's Mikhail Granlin off the rush. He curls and drags from the circle, puts it far side on a wrister, 3-1 Nashville through two. 58 seconds into the third, Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy gets hit and has to put his helmet back on. Yep, it's becoming a thing in this series. His chin strap basically ends up covering his eyes as he puts it on, and he continues playing. Off the next rush, Nashville get a goal as Luke Cunning gets lost in the coverage in the offensive zone and gets a backdoor net side tap. 9-22 in Nashville's Tanner Janos, backhand in the painted stop. 10-04 in Chicago's Patrick Kane makes a cross-crease pass for a pinching Wyatt Kellenick for a net side short side tap in Chicago goal off the cycle. A minute nine seconds after Chicago given goal, Vinny Hinnestroza to Kirby Dock and back on a three-on-two rush and Hinnestroza puts it five hole a minute 42 later nashville's ryan ellis defensive zone turnover behind the net chicago's pu Suter gets it to the slot to dominique kubalik who goes top shelf glove for the chicago goal 651 left nashville's arvidson takes a four minute high stick penalty that nashville was able to kill off 123 last nashville's eric hollis stopped by chicago goalie subin pad trying to tuck it past him 4-4 headed into the fourth period aka overtime Three minutes into overtime, Chicago's Brandon Hagel gets the overtime game-winning goal, completing the Chicago comeback, going short side roof from the low circle for the Chicago 5-4 overtime win. 40-30 shots for Nashville. Chicago 0-4, Nashville 0-2 on the power play. Chicago goalie Subin, four goals against 36 saves. OT win. 
Nashville goalie Saros, five goals against 25 saves, the OT loss. Friday, April 23rd, a 3-1 win for Nashville at Chicago. 9.45 left in the first, Nashville goalie UC Saros stops Chicago's Vinnie Hinnestroza in close. 4-1 left, Chicago goalie Malcolm Subin makes a huge pad stop on Nashville's Ryan Johansson. 2.23, Chicago's Dominique Kubalik stopped on a 2-on-1 keep in a scoreless frame. 1-11 into the second, Chicago's Pius Suter in the slot rings the post, and he is stopped net side by Nashville goalie Saros 29 seconds later. 3.22 in, Chicago's Kubalik stopped on a slot shot. 6.33 in, Nashville's Ryan Johansson open scoring as he jams in a puck in the paint, parked net front. 3.46 left, Nashville goal as Luke Cunnan slips at five-hole net side on a pass from behind the Chicago net. 2-0 Nashville through 2. 9.49 left in the third, Nashville's Victor Arvidsson is stopped on a breakaway. 3.55 left, Nashville goal, Eric Holla from the corner along the goal line, fires the puck on net and beats Chicago goalie Subin short side as he isn't hugging the short side post. 3.19 left, Nashville's Matthias Ekholm looks to prevent a goal as he scoops the puck off the goal line in the net and keeps it out. After review, it's determined that Chicago's Hinnestroza's net front tip from the point shot did cross the goal line for a Chicago 6-on-5 goal. 138 left, again, with Chicago's goalie pulled. Duncan Keith gets a stick on Nashville's Arvidsson to prevent an empty net goal as Nashville holds on to win 3-1. 3028 shots, Chicago. Nashville 0-2, Chicago 0-1 with the power play. Nashville goalie Saros, one goal against, 29 saves for the win. Chicago goalie Subin, three goals against, 25 saves the loss. Nashville game perspective in the 5-2 home win, above average and better goaltending by Saros, gives Nashville the win, plain and simple. The 5-4 overtime loss in Chicago, after setting up an early 4-1 third period lead, Nashville gets lazy with their attention to details and let Chicago finally get to MVP Saros, and Nashville loses in overtime. They still do get the loser point in spite of the third period lapse. The 3-1 win in Chicago, Saros is the MVP again, but Nashville plays a full 60 minutes to not repeat the same third period letdown. Nashville's overall analysis. Background song recommendation, Shoot Me Straight by Brothers Osborne. 2-1-1 was as close to what Nashville needed to do this week. It's a point off the 3-1-0 mark because of the third period letdown that led to that Chicago overtime win in the middle game. However, specifically against Chicago, Nashville picked up five of six available points while giving Chicago two. We didn't expect Nashville to beat Carolina, and for as good as Nashville goalie UC Saros played, Nashville didn't. Essentially, that put Nashville a point off ideally the best position they could be in with the seven games remaining in their regular season schedule. It was required this week for them to stay ahead of Dallas in points as Dallas has games in hand. As I said in the Dallas section, I put together an expected point total needed by Dallas to get in, which of course would also mean that I did it for Nashville. And from a Nashville point of view, they are still holding the fourth and final playoff spot and put the dagger tooth into Chicago's playoff hopes with the continued head-to-head dominance between the teams this past week. Really, it is only Dallas and Nashville to me right now that are vying for the last playoff spot. 
Three games is equal to six points, and Nashville is ahead of Dallas by four points. But that still requires Dallas winning games in hand. What I expect you're going to be hearing is that Nashville still controls their own destiny narrative. And that's okay because it's true. But really, for one reason, Nashville played Dallas one more game head-to-head. For both teams, that is an absolute must-win in regulation. Funny, though, I don't think it will be decided until OT or a shootout when the teams do play it. Nashville has got the better in extra time against Dallas of a late between the two teams. I want to talk about Nashville's two paths to the playoffs while simply noting the MVP above average goaltending of UC Saros is implied for Nashville to get in. That's a non-starter topic. Path 1 includes a regulation win over Dallas and combined with two expected wins over now Discover Central Division last place Columbus, that is three of the remaining seven. It puts pressure on Dallas to find a way to pick up points against Tampa Bay in the three games they have left to play or against the one with Florida or Dallas won't make up the points needed to catch Nashville at 60 points. Dallas needs the two points over Nashville, or they have to beat Discover Central's top-tier teams while still sweeping the final two games versus Chicago to end the season. It's a big ask. Now, Nashville can still make the playoffs even losing to Dallas because, to me, Dallas needs to win both over Carolina at home, two at Chicago, tonight at Detroit, plus somehow get points versus Tampa Bay in three games and or beat Florida on the road where they just haven't been as good. Nashville, therefore, could sneak away with just a loser point, and I factored that into the minimally have Nashville at 59 points and then factored in a win in a game of the four other games Nashville plays versus Florida Carolina. That's why the Dallas game is as important to Nashville as it is Dallas. Carolina has been good against Nashville as is Florida. You could reasonably expect Nashville doesn't pick up points in those four games at all but I still either by them going one or three or say Oh, two and two, they could get to 61 points, even falling to Dallas in an overtime loss or a shootout loss. The second path is simply if only getting a single point or none versus Dallas, making it up in an upset over either Carolina or Florida while getting one of them into overtime, thus playing essentially one, two and one and picking up an additional three points. Basically, Nashville going 3-2-2 two, and two, or better, I think is enough to get Nashville into the playoffs. But it's not that easy. It's also not impossible, especially with how UC Saros is playing. We are only talking about it right now because of how UC Saros has played since returning from injury, as it is. Four wins in the last seven games is a big ass for Nashville, but that is the equivalent to the two overtime loss, shootout loss points required. If you understand, going four and three would be essentially the same point total as being three, two, and two. So the symbolism behind the Brothers Osborne track, while we didn't want a pretty boy pop country song, because that's not how Nashville needs to play. They need to shoot it straight and get some goal support for their stellar goaltending by Saros. So they need to be gritty like a country rock band and not pretty like a pop country band, hence the Brothers Osborne track. 
Nashville's team metrics are up two spots from 24th to a tie for 26th in goals scored at 2.61. Nashville stayed tied 15th in goals allowed at an identical 2.82 goals per game as last week. The power play continues to drop down three more spots to 24th from a tie 21st last week at a 17.7 success percentage. The penalty kill rank fell as well, a spot to 29th at a 75.8% kill success rate. Nashville's useless factoid, UC Saros' best performance this week was his 45-save performance in a 3-1 loss where he allowed only two goals against and kept Nashville in a game they were completely outplayed in except for in net. Not often do you say the losing goalie is the best player for either team, but Saros was in that game hands down. Thumbs up. As I said last week, this will most likely have a reserve parking sign with UC Saros's name on it for the rest of the season. In Saros's last three games, he was 2-0-1 versus Chicago despite the overtime loss where he gave up five goals against. He still was the main reason Nashville went 2-0-1. He is the team's MVP this season. His 2.27 goals against average and 926 save percentage are above his career best individual season marks. He is 17 9 and 1 with two shutouts. If he finishes out strong, he should get some Vesna Trophy nomination votes for his performance, mostly in the second half of the season, to have Nashville in a playoff race at all. Thumbs down, everyone not named UC Saros for blowing that three goal third period. 4-1 lead in the 5-4 overtime loss to Chicago. That can't happen at all the rest of the way out in the seven games remaining. That was a point more Nashville just gave away. And we may find out whether or not that comes back to Hotlam as far as their playoff push continues. And for our other weekly Nashville update, Nashville is 3-1 with Mikhail Granderlinchuk not in the lineup. They are 23-22 with him in the lineup. This year, making the third time in consecutive weeks this year. Both are over a 500 mark to be continued. It's close with seven games left to go. Really, though, isn't UC Soros helping his teammate out at this point on that stat? In additional news, the IR list is shrinking in Nashville, but it includes... Left winger, franchise Philip Forsberg, upper body, center Brad Richardson, lower body, defenseman Mark Borowicki, upper body, left end defenseman Lucas Biza, upper body, defenseman Alex Carrier, lower body, defenseman Dante Fabro, upper body, is the only one listed as day-to-day on that list, so he would be the expected one to return the soonest. Up next, two games for Nashville, Monday and Tuesday, a back-to-back versus Florida. The home record for Nashville, 14-9-0, away, 12-12-2 mark. If UC Saros can get a split for Nashville in this back-to-back set, that would set the team's path to the playoffs odds instantly higher. Nashville finding a way to get points, if they can, is obvious. Florida is a top-tier team in the Discover Central this year. The goalie matchup of Saros versus Florida Chris Dreiger could be a very low-scoring event if it happens. The number of days before Nashville plays again, it's possible UC Saros plays both games. That would benefit Nashville. We're going to take a quick break and come back to look at Chicago and Winnipeg when we return with more on Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week in our Discover Central and a Touch of True North podcast. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. 
to always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com slash holiday. Welcome back to Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week in our Discover Central and Touch of True North edition. I'm your host, Tim Bigelow. We finished looking at the Discover Central with Chicago. Here's the expanded look of where Chicago sit in the Discover Central Division standings. Then we look at Winnipeg up north. Chicago, 5-10 point percentage sticks since the last podcast, 2 Two and zero overall, twenty two, twenty one and five. Forty eight games played, forty nine points, one hundred and thirty five goals for, one hundred and fifty one goals against, a minus sixteen goal differential. Chicago on the effort of goalie Malcolm and Subin take the second game versus Detroit to start their week. Saturday, April seventeenth, a four nothing win at Detroit. 7.56 into the first, Chicago's Duncan Keith takes a four-minute high stick penalty. Chicago is able to kill it off. 12.05 left, Detroit's net front rebound chance is stopped by Chicago goalie Malcolm Subin. 21 seconds left, Chicago's Vinny Hidden Estroza on puck pursuit wins the battle and passes the puck between Detroit defenders' legs to an open Patrick Kane who has an open net to slide it in to open the scoring with the Chicago goal. Chicago get two good shots as the period ends. one nothing Chicago after one. Four 447 into the second Detroit on a power play have a point shot tipped off of the short side post and it is then covered by Chicago goalie Subin. 1240 in Chicago's Connor Murphy's blast from the circle hits teammate Brandon Hagel allowing Alex Debrinkit to score on a net side rebound. 215 left Chicago goalie Subin makes a big net front stop. 1 minute 48 left a wraparound attempt by Detroit to stop by Chicago goalie Subin. 2 nothing Chicago through 2. 116 in Chicago Sinistroza sets up Wyan Kellenuck on a 2-on-1 off the rush for a Chicago goal. Chicago in the last 10 minutes take two minor penalties for a Detroit 5-on-3 that they kill off with just over five minutes left to play. At 4.33 left, Chicago adds an empty net goal by Pew Suter. 29-27 shots Detroit as Chicago goalie Subin makes 29 saves for his second shutout of the year. Chicago 0-2, Detroit 0-6 with the power play. Chicago game perspective, this is the above-average goaltending Chicago needed to have to stay in the playoff mix as Malcolm Subin, who can best be described as Chicago's backup this year, comes in and doesn't allow a goal in a 29-save performance. Offensively, Chicago can score enough goals in this case, and do, but they 
are also not hurt by Detroit's woeful power play, going a perfect 6-for-6 on the penalty kill. And it is always said your goaltender is the best last line of defense to allow that to happen, as it did. Chicago goes 1-2-0 versus Nashville in the three games they absolutely needed to win. Recapping the scores, Monday, April 19th, a 5-2 loss at Nashville. Wednesday, April 21st was a 5-4 overtime win versus Nashville. And Friday, April 23rd, a 3-1 loss versus Nashville. The game summaries for this set of three games are in the Nashville segment. Chicago game perspective in the 5-2 home loss, above average and better goaltending by Saros, gives the Nashville win. After his shutout in Detroit, the surprise Chicago didn't let Malcolm Subin start in goal in this all-important game. Lankinen wasn't equal to Saros, and that was the difference. The 5-4 overtime win in Chicago after setting up a early 4-1 third-period lead, Nashville got lazy and Chicago finally got to MVP Saros and picked up the overtime win. Nashville still gets the costly to Chicago loser point. The 3-1 loss in Chicago, Saros is the MVP again, and it was Subin letting in a soft third-period goal that ended any comeback attempt for the second game in a row. Nashville's dominance head-to-head is a big reason why Chicago won't be playoff-bound this year. Chicago's overall analysis, background song recommendation, The Joker and the Thief by Wolf Mother. Over the last two weeks, I have talked about the 10-game stretch that concluded with the games versus Nashville. This was the stretch, I felt, would define Chicago's season. They went 2-2-0 and this week. So in that 10-game stretch, they went 5-5-0. And I felt they needed two more wins, a 7-3-0 mark, and to add some losses to Nashville to help them be able to get into the playoffs. Chicago is not eliminated from the playoffs officially. However, if you have listened to the other segments leading up to this one, I have for Nashville and Dallas tried to find the magic point number needed for the team that will get into the playoffs. And that would require Chicago to get 11 points, if I'm accurate on that, beat Dallas potentially two times to finish the season in getting there as well. They also have to go 3-2-1 and one versus Tampa Bay, Florida, who they have two with, and Carolina, who they have three with, the top-tier playoff-bound divisional teams in the Discover Central this year. Maybe Tampa Bay plays backup goalie Curtis McElhinney in the one game left, so Chicago has the advantage in that. Maybe Florida plays goalie Sergei Barbrowski both games instead of the better option of goalie Chris Dreiger, but I still give Florida the goalie advantage if they did that. Carolina has three goalies they could play, and maybe they all play one game apiece. However, I still give Carolina the goalie advantage regardless of which of the three of those goalies played. Chicago has relied on Kevin Lincoln in most. His 2.89 goals against average and 9.11 save percentage are decent, but they are not above average. He has allowed three or more goals in his last five starts while going 2-3-0. Chicago went to Malcolm Subin by the second game versus Nashville because of Lankinen's struggles. However, Subin, after the shutout versus Detroit, has allowed four goals against and three goals against in his last two. His 2.88 goals against average and 9.10 save percentage are, well, decent and practically mirror Lankinen's numbers for the year. They're also not above average. 
Chicago offensively can score goals. And I like this team's balance of rookies and vets. And the defense, to me, is good enough to be a playoff team. The offense is as well. The goaltending hasn't been. That was the one thing that I said was why I put Chicago behind Nashville in the Power Ranking podcast before the start of the season. The lack of NHL goaltending experience the team chose to play with this season. Chicago has done better than expected due to this rookie contributions that they've received and off-season but now departed veteran signings like Matthias Janmark and Carl Soderberg. They really had a good mix. And as the season concludes, Chicago will, because of that, be where I projected them based on the goaltending, not in the playoffs. Although a bit better in the standings, largely because Columbus's unexpected fall to have a even worse campaign. Simply the only narrative here is investing in the goalie position is a non-starter in the National Hockey League. Teams, to me, should spend more, not less, like Chicago did positionally on their goalies. Too bad there was a lot to like about the other parts of this team, and as well the coach on a team that all they needed was a reliable number one proven puck stopper. Chicago has eight games left, and I think they need to go 5-2-1 and one against some top-tier teams that do have above-average goaltending. Chicago isn't officially eliminated from the playoffs, at least not yet. Now, against some better competition than the ones they went and played 500 hockey against, they need to steal a lot of points in the games left. Gritty from the net out, thievery like a joker and a thief in the night. Chicago's team metric, Chicago is up a ranked spot to a tie 17th with 2.77 goals scored. The power play at a 22.8 success percentage dropped the spot to 8th league-wide. The team's goals allowed is 3.1, that's 20th, up a ranked spot. And the penalty kill jumped 5 spots to 25th overall with a 76.5% success kill rate. The goals allowed, you just need a key on that, 20th. The rest of those league-wide numbers are actually fairly decent. However, the metrics save for the power play really aren't those of a playoff team. Even the goal scored is sitting at a tie 17th. It's close. And the power play continues to cool off. Chicago remains ranked third last in shots on goals allowed two at an average of 33 shots per game. You need above average goaltending. Chicago's useless factoid, Chicago's Brandon Hagel had a false positive test that kept him from playing in the 5-2 loss in Nashville. In his return in the 5-4 overtime win, he scored the game-winning overtime goal and had two assists. This week's thumbs up is the late trade pickup Vinny Hinestroza. Two goals, four assists in the four games played covered this week for six points. Every game it seemed to me he was doing something to get Chicago going offensively. The two Chicago wins this week, were both multi-point games for Hinnestroza. Thumbs down goalie Kevin Lankin in back-to-back weeks for him in this category. The first of the three key games left versus Nashville, and Lankinen did not perform well at all. Five goals against 17 saves, and that is why Malcolm Subin played the next two. It's too bad he didn't play back-to-back after his 4-0 shutout. 
because Chicago may have won the first game. In additional news, defenseman Adam Volquist's concussion and defenseman Calvin DeHaan hip are both on IR of active Chicago players. The group of players that haven't played because of long-term injuries at all, Jonathan Taves, Zach Smith, Alexander Nylander this season, and of course Andrew Shaw was added to that after 14 games played this season. Up next, Two games, Tuesday versus Tampa Bay, Thursday versus Florida. We will look at the first of the two games versus Florida in the next podcast. I mean, you tell me, Chicago's got to find a way to at least go one and one in these two, and that's going to require some great goaltending and just really great play. Maybe they've got one more surprise this season for Blackhawks fans, but they've got a really tough path to getting back into the playoff mix. And ultimately, I think it's going to be the goaltending that lets them down. We switch nations, but not hockey leagues, to finish the podcast with a touch of true north as we look at Winnipeg. Here's the expanded look of where they sit in the standings in the North Division, heading into Saturday's games. Winnipeg, a 620-point percentage, third in point percentage in the North Division. Since the last podcast, 0-2-0, overall 27-14-3, 46 games played, 57 points. 147 goals for, 125 goals against, a plus 22 goal differential. Winnipeg returned back to normal regular Saturday night Hockey Night in Canada programming form, dropping a one-off game to Edmonton at home. Let's look at the game's summary. Saturday, April 17th, a 3-0 loss versus Edmonton. 5.35 into the first, Winnipeg's Tucker Pullman is stopped in the slot during 4-on-4 play. 10.56 left, Winnipeg goalie Connor Helbuck makes a big pad save on a breakaway. 10.06 left, Winnipeg goalie Helbuck stops a backhand deke breakaway and tip shot chance with 908 left in a scoreless first 159 into the second winnipeg's paul statsney's backhand slot shot is stopped by edmonton goalie mike smith 830 left edmonton jams the puck net front on a power play as winnipeg goalie hellebuck stops and covers six minutes left edmonton get a power play goal point shot Blasts through a screen goes five hole. Winnipeg goalie Helbuck breaks up an Edmonton two on one chance with his goal stick short handed as the puck passes through his crease. Winnipeg goes the other way, but Mark Shifley is stopped on a breakaway on the power play with 231 left. 1 0 Edmonton through two. 637 into the third. Winnipeg's forwards turn the puck over at the defensive zone blue line, allowing Edmonton to keep the offensive zone off the cycle to an open net front where it is put top shelf glove for an Edmonton goal. 7.43 left, Winnipeg's Nick Ehlers takes a neutral zone cross-checking penalty. 7.03 left, Edmonton power play goal. A point shot net front tip as Edmonton goalie Mike Smith shuts out Winnipeg making 26 saves for the Edmonton 3-0 win. 26-25 shots, Winnipeg, Winnipeg goalie Hellebuck. Three goals against 22 saves in the loss. Winnipeg 0 for 3 Edmonton 2-for-6 with the power play. Winnipeg game perspective. The penalties Winnipeg took is a big factor. Both teams rank in the top five in the league in power play success percentage. Winnipeg gave Edmonton double the opportunities to convert, and they did on two of the six they had. Winnipeg had some high danger scoring chances that Edmonton goalie Smith needed to stop, but even at 5-on-5 play, Edmonton was the better team, especially over the first 40 minutes. Edmonton star players, McDavid, 
had two assists, and Leon Dreisaitl did as well, and they factored in on all three Edmonton goals. Winnipeg could use some adjustments for playing against Edmonton, who they have now lost the last four head-to-head meetings, two in regulation. Winnipeg has only lost two in a row in regulation once through the season thus far. Thursday's game with the overhyped other Canadian team is good to go or not. Winnipeg fall behind minutes in, play from behind the rest of the game to lose the first of two set at home versus the overhyped other Canadian team. Here's the game summary. Thursday, April 22nd, a 5-3 loss versus the overhyped other Canadian team. 27 seconds into the first, the overhyped other Canadian team get a goal on their first shot on goal, short side from the circle. 51 seconds later, they get another goal, backhand short side on an odd man rush on their second shot on goal. 319 in, Winnipeg goal. Mark Shifley from the top of the paint puts it low glove aside on a pass from Andrew Kopp set up behind the net after a overhyped other Canadian team defense's own turnover in the corner. 10.01 left Winnipeg's Tucker Pullman is stopped off the rush. 10.26 Winnipeg's Kopp in the paint taps in a Winnipeg goal on an overhyped other Canadian team defensive zone back pass turnover. 11.59 on a delayed penalty call to Winnipeg's Matthew Perot. The overhyped other Canadian team 6 on 5 get a point shot redirected off of an overhyped other Canadian team player net front while he provides a screen that goes past Winnipeg goalie Hellebuck ending his night. Winnipeg down 3-2 after 1. Winnipeg's Adam Lowry did not return for the second. He was on the receiving end of a high hit during the first, but did take at least one shift after having made that contact. 9.44 left in the second. Winnipeg goalie Laurent Brassois makes a slot save as a Winnipeg penalty kill expires. 9.17 left. Winnipeg's Blake Wheeler wires a slot shot that goes off the crossbar and out of play. 7.02 left. The overhyped other Canadian team get a goal on a 3-on-2 blast from the circle that goes far side glove corner 255 left winnipeg goalie brassois makes a blocker save on a partial break 204 left winnipeg's kyle connor from the circle goes over the pad under the blocker far side for a winnipeg goal winnipeg trail 4-3 through 2 241 into the third winnipeg goalie brassois makes a pad stop on a point shot net front tip 1306 winnipeg's pierre-luc dubois backhand on a breakaway is denied 1004 left winnipeg goalie brassois stops a chance in close winnipeg press late with the goalie pulled but are kept to the perimeter with scoring chances and with six seconds left there's an empty net goal for the overhyped other canadian team as they take a 5-3 win 37 33 shots winnipeg winnipeg 0 for two overhyped other canadian team over one on the power play winnipeg goalie brassois in relief one goal against 25 saves he takes the loss because winnipeg scores three goals in the game equaling what hellbuck allowed and brassois gets tagged for the loss on his lone goal against the game's fourth goal. Hellebuck, who started the game three goals against three saves. Winnipeg game perspective. They gave up two goals in the first minute 18 of play, and I felt defensively 
those were high danger scoring chances that Winnipeg shouldn't be forcing their goalie to have to make the save on mere minutes into a game. In fact, I don't think one of the goals against by Hellebeck were particularly bad goals against. The timing of them was bad, but the defensive support on those goals was too. The third actually doesn't happen if Winnipeg gets control of the puck on the delayed penalty. And it's the defense that lets a player alone net front to screen and then have the puck go off of him for the third goal to go in the net. That's on everyone else on the ice besides Hellebuck to be in on that six-on-five disadvantage for a bad costly bounce. Just prior, Winnipeg had briefly tied it for a whole minute and 33 seconds before having to play from behind again. They never held the lead in this game, and a total of two minutes of this loss was a tie game. Two minutes of the entire game. It actually didn't look as bad as it sounds watching it, but it's definitely not a formula for winning games to point out the obvious. In fact, Winnipeg in both games never held the lead at any point, and that will get you zero points in the standings. Winnipeg's overall analysis. Background song recommendation. Action by Street Art. Two games, two losses, and not much to be positive on the team's second time losing two in a row in regulation this season, but I'm not going to talk about it. Saying less this week will be impactfully more. Winnipeg has 10 games left in the regular season, five against non-playoff bound teams and five against teams that are. Let's just talk about the importance of playing good going into the playoffs because it matters. The regular season pause in months later playoff bubble isn't a good reference point from the NHL season from a year ago. Let's use the best example of how to go into the playoffs for Winnipeg and how not to using the playoffs that actually started after the regular season. So let's go on a bit of a back in time travel jet. The how to first the conference final Winnipeg season. 2017-18. That Winnipeg 52-win season that Nashville won the President Trophy by a mere three points on Winnipeg, who finished second. Winnipeg's last 10 that year is a Western Conference best 9-1-0 mark, including a five-game win streak going into the playoffs. They beat Minnesota in the first round, then Nashville in a great second-round series, and fall to Vegas on their historic inaugural season from nowhere run, in the Western Conference Final. The how not to. The following season, 2018-19. That's Winnipeg's 47-win season that they drop to second as Nashville by a single point finishes atop the Central Division standings. Winnipeg still has a near 100-point regular season, just shy by a point, and the year prior's Conference Final playoff appearance that everybody still has in their memory. However, Winnipeg didn't exactly excel to the end of the regular season. Winnipeg's last 10 going into the 18-19 playoffs, a near-conference worst 4-5-1 for teams that were going to make the playoffs with a win in their final game, but not a streak of wins. They play St. Louis in the first round, who make the playoffs on a second-half run after an awful start. St. Louis enter on the conference best 8-1-1 in their last 10 and with a two-game win streak to end their regular season. St. Louis carries that into the postseason, 
takes out Winnipeg in the first round in six games, and goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Saturday marks the first of the last 10 games for this Winnipeg regular season. Let's see how Winnipeg enters the playoffs this season. My expectations for how Winnipeg does in the playoffs is going to be primarily based on the last 10 games, weighted on the five versus the playoff bound teams heavily and the five against the non-playoff bound teams to a lesser extent. Winnipeg this season is consistent, so if they can't figure out how to beat Edmonton or the overhyped other Canadian team, they're most likely first round playoff matchups being one of those two teams during the regular season with the games they have remaining. That will probably hold true for the playoffs as well. This last 10 games to me is the tell. Recent history absolutely supports it. This team needs to get to action on getting into playoff form before the playoffs begin, even if that means stealing some overhyped other Canadian team markets mojo. Winnipeg's team metrics. Winnipeg is down two league spots to a tie for eighth in goal scoring at 3.2 per game. The power play also down two rank spots at fourth from a tie second last week with a 25.7 power play success percentage. The goals allowed dropped a spot tie 10th at 2.67. The shots allowed is 30.9 per game, 21st overall in the league. The penalty kill is at an 80.5% kill rate to say 12th in consecutive weeks. At 7.3 penalty minutes per game, Winnipeg has the sixth fewest per game league-wide in spite of the six they took in the loss versus Edmonton this past week. Winnipeg's useless factoid, Winnipeg is 1-3-1 in their last five home games heading into Saturday's game. Seven of the ten remaining games on the schedule are at home. The team has been a better road team thus far this season. They, in previous years, had been very tough team to play at home, so there might be something more to not having fans this year for Winnipeg at home especially. Thumbs up Andrew Kopp. He had a goal and an assist in the 5-3 loss to the overhyped other Canadian team. That was his 15th on the season, putting him fourth on team goal scoring behind Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, and Mark Shifley, who you all know of. Thumbs down Mason Appleton. His offensive zone high stick penalty 19 seconds into the game versus Edmonton negated a Winnipeg power play early in that 3 nothing loss to Edmonton on Saturday. It was one of six penalties that were taken by Winnipeg. And although it wasn't one that Edmonton scored on, it was as though Winnipeg only had two, not three power plays, because essentially one of them lasted only six seconds, and it was at a key point right at the beginning of the game. In other news, center Adam Lowry did not return for the second period in the Thursday 5-3 loss. He is listed day-to-day upper body, and he did take a high hit to the head during the first, but he did have at least a shift after that collision, but we should not rule out that being a possible concussion. Long-term injured reserve, left-hand defenseman Nathan Beaulieu, upper body, center Brian Little head. Up next, four games for Winnipeg. Saturday versus the overhyped other Canadian team, Monday and Wednesday versus Edmonton, Friday versus Montreal. I'm going to try and include the Friday game in next week's podcast, just like I'm including the Nashville-Chicago Friday game this week. Actually, record the segment after the Discover Central is recorded and to aim to have it all up Saturday. 
The home record for Winnipeg is 11-8-2. The away record, 16-8-1. This is the last part of Winnipeg's schedule against the North Division's likely playoff teams. It also begins the team's last 10 games. Playing good going into the playoffs is important. Having it propped up by five games by below 500 non-playoff teams after these four won't impress me. How Winnipeg does in these and the final game of the regular season is what Winnipeg fans should really pay attention to. Winnipeg's divisional rivals in under two minutes. The standings are following Thursday night's North Division games. The overhyped other Canadian team remains atop the North with a 670 point percentage after the win against Winnipeg. They are 5-3-2 in their last 10. The overhyped other Canadian team have one more to play in Winnipeg before meeting them one more time the last game to end the team's respective regular season schedules. They have four versus Montreal of the other nine games remaining. Edmonton is second in the North Division now with a 622 point percentage. Edmonton does have one less point than Winnipeg, having played one less game. Edmonton sits third by point percentage at 6.19 point percentage. Edmonton's next two games are against Winnipeg, who, as we mentioned, Edmonton has won the last four games head-to-head against Winnipeg. Montreal remain fourth at a 5.57 point percentage, eight points back of Winnipeg with two games in hand. They have one meeting against each other to play this season. Montreal plays Calgary Friday night. As I mentioned, this segment was recorded in the afternoon and edited first prior to that game being played. Well, I did wait for the Friday night Nashville-Chicago game, and I'm recording that afterwards. That's why all this information is pre that Montreal-Calgary game as far as the point percentages and standings. Vancouver is fifth by a point percentage at a 487 mark. They are two points behind Calgary, but they have five games in hand. Vancouver is 10 points, more importantly, back in Montreal with four games in hand on them. Montreal, of course, representing the team holding currently the last playoff spot in the North Division. Calgary is sixth by point percentage with a 456 point percentage. And again, they play Montreal later tonight but after you listen to this, so that is the point percentage before that Friday game is played. You're going to be listening to this on Saturday. Ottawa continues to have games that we haven't paid attention to as well, but they are seventh by points and point percentage at 404 point percentage, which had me look up that there are four other teams in the league that have worse point percentages as far as better draft lottery odds. So maybe Ottawa shouldn't try so hard down the final stretch. Thanks for listening to Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week, Discover Central and a Touch of True North edition. Final podcast thoughts. I think the reality that only one of the three focused Discover Central teams is making it into the playoffs is sinking in and it did hold to the projected preseason expectations that only one would. However, Dallas, I expected in a top three grouping, and I honestly did underappreciate how good Carolina and Florida were. The idea that Nashville and Chicago would be closer battling those teams for fourth spot with Columbus, Florida, Carolina, Columbus, who have absolutely struggled, didn't really emerge and Dallas is the team that's with them battling for fourth. When you aren't actually watching the teams, and this podcast is for a division to watch 
and actually do that. You don't really have a clue based on some game highlights and a look at the standings at how good a team is or isn't, nor do you know when they are playing good or they aren't playing up to their own standard of play. So Carolina and Florida definitely have a lot more respect for along with Tampa Bay because of this divisional setup this year. As Dallas was who I was expecting to make it, I think part of me still expects them to be there. Nashville has been getting the best goaltending of the three focused teams of late. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is Nashville, not Dallas. And if Nashville does get that fourth final playoff spot, it will absolutely be because of UC Soros. Winnipeg worries me because they look to match up against the two teams in the North or at least one of them for the playoffs in the first round, that they haven't had the best regular season success against. They're a good team. Winnipeg also have Connor Halbuck, and come playoff time, that might be the biggest factor that makes the regular season numbers of little or no consequence. You really should put the strength of goaltending in the NHL and on your hockey team first with a build a winner from that position mentality. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.